Hi, I'm Charles Farrell. I'm the financial editor at The Wall Street Journal. And it's Sunday night, and we're not watching the Oscars. We're watching a banking crisis unfold. It's vastly more exciting. This is about as interesting as it gets in finance. This is pretty wild. Um, You don't see banks fail every day, especially not banks of this size. The bank Charles is talking about is Silicon Valley Bank. This bank catered to the tech industry. And last week, it collapsed in a matter of days and was taken over by the government. This is not some random little bank that banked a few small businesses in one town. This was the 16th biggest bank in the United States that banked lots of really sophisticated customers in the United States' premier industry. So it's pretty significant. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed on Friday. Then on Sunday, the government took over another bank, Signature Bank, and announced sweeping measures designed to steady the financial system. So the government really, really, really wants to try to stop this from continuing. Banking is really a confidence game. Either you believe in the system or you don't believe in the system. And if everybody decides all at once not to believe in the system, then the system comes apart. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, March 13th. Coming up on the show, can the government contain a banking crisis? This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Before last week, you probably never heard of Silicon Valley Bank, unless you were a startup founder or a venture capitalist. So Silicon Valley Bank uh, goes back to 1983. It was a fairly conventional bank. Um, It was just very focused on the business of working with startups and venture capitalists. But it did a lot of the things that you would associate with a bank. It took deposits, it made loans, it processed payroll and services and other transactions, and it was sort of a bank for that industry. So it's like the bank of startups. It's the bank for startups and for their investors. Silicon Valley Bank did business with well-known tech companies like Roku and Roblox, as well as thousands of lesser-known startups. And until recently, business was pretty good, especially during the pandemic. There was a huge amount of government stimulus. The economy went crazy, and specifically the tech economy went crazy. So super, super boom in that sector. Tons of people are investing. Tons of people are writing checks into the sector. Tons of these companies are spending money and hiring people, and and there's just money, money, money moving around like crazy in that system, generally going in. Going in to startups' bank accounts at Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of deposits. Between 2020 and March 2022, Silicon Valley Bank's deposits ballooned from $60 billion 
to $200 billion. So what did Silicon Valley Bank do with all this money that was coming in? It said, okay, I'm going to buy safe assets, government bonds and mortgage-backed securities. Pretty safe stuff. But they made one really, 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 really bad mistake. What was that? The really bad mistake was they put their money into bonds that matured in a long time. Why is that a problem? What's the problem with the long duration? So the problem with the long duration is basically that if you buy when interest rates are relatively low, so let's say the interest rate on your 30-year bond is 1.5% or 2%. If interest rates rise all of a sudden, you are stuck with a thing that earns you 1.5% or 2% when everybody else around you is making 5 or 6%. And you are stuck with it for 30 years. Congratulations. And if you wanted to sell your 30-year bond? Mm, not good. What does not good mean in this scenario? <laughs> not good in that scenario means that you would have to accept a lower price. So if you paid 100 for it, somebody might only be willing to pay you 75 or 80 for it. What this meant was that if Silicon Valley Bank had to sell these long-term bonds, it would do so at a loss. But for a long time, this wasn't a problem because the bank didn't have to sell its bonds until late last year. The tech boom was cooling really fast. So previously in 2020 and 2021, all this money is flooding into the tech sector. People are excited. We're investing in whatever and investing in this and that and the other thing. Um, and then they all pull back really quickly in 2022. The cash flowing into the tech sector suddenly dried up. Startups didn't have as much money coming in, but they were still spending, draining their accounts at Silicon Valley Bank. So the deposits come down. Coming down, right? So the, the, the industry, all these startups are spending money. They are, in, in the lingo, I'm told this is what they say in California, they are burning cash. And this is when Silicon Valley Bank felt the consequences of its mistake. So on Wednesday, March 8th, after the market closed, Silicon Valley Bank said, uh, we've had to sell $21 billion worth of all of these long-term bonds. And uh, we lost $2 billion on that sale. That's not very good. The bank also announced that it would try to raise more money by selling some stock. Silicon Valley Bank said, what we're going to do is we are going to try to raise uh, two and a quarter billion of additional money. So we lost this money, but hang on, guys, we're going to try to raise this money and, and we'll be okay. But Silicon Valley Bank would not be okay. Rather than reassuring customers, the bank's announcement touched off fears about its viability. Soon, tech investors were calling up their startups, telling them to move deposits out of Silicon Valley Bank. It was a classic bank run. So Thursday is like a mad dash to get your money out while you can. Mad, mad, mad dash. So everybody in, in Silicon Valley who has an account at this bank at this point knows about it because, of course, all their friends bank there and... Are texting them. They're texting back and forth. Their investors who are paying attention to stuff, presumably reading the Wall Street Journal, are telling their portfolio companies, hey guys, um, this is a problem. You got to take your money out. $42 billion worth of customer deposits tried to get out on Thursday. $42 billion is a lot, is a lot, a lot, a lot of deposits. 
And there's nothing they can do. They couldn't possibly deal with that. And so Friday morning, they didn't even open up. Um, The FDIC seized them, and they were done. The feds seized the bank. Silicon Valley Bank was over. But the crisis wasn't. That's coming up. After the feds took over Silicon Valley Bank on Friday, no one could access their money. Most of the bank's customers had deposits over the federally insured level of $250,000. And there were big questions about when and whether customers would ever see their cash again. And so what is the mood in Silicon Valley over the weekend? Oh, it's not a good mood at all. I mean, there's not a lot you can get done without a bank. If you lose access to your bank, you can't make your payroll, you can't pay your vendors, you can't pay your cloud software subscription, the like Tuesday, you know, all office Poke Bowl thing that you have, you can't pay for that. So the bank is is vital and central to business and to operations and to suddenly lose access to your money is really, really, really disturbing. That That's a pretty scary thought for a lot of businesses. To make matters worse, there were fears that Silicon Valley Bank wouldn't be the only bank to fail. There was a lot of concern that what was happening at Silicon Valley Bank could spread. And the problem is, it isn't clear whether Silicon Valley Bank is just a unicorn in a, in a bad sense. I don't know what the opposite of a unicorn is, but like a bad unicorn. Um, it's just a one-of-a-kind, really out-there thing, unlike everything else. Or whether it's just the worst of a lot of institutions that have a similar class of problems. The fear was that Silicon Valley Bank wasn't a bad unicorn and that other banks could have the same problems. Late last week, that worry showed up in the stock market. People were dumping shares of other banks that looked in some way like Silicon Valley Bank. How concerning is this for the government and regulators? So this is acutely concerning for the government and for regulators. This is the thing that you really don't want to have happen in the banking system. You don't want to have this loss of trust. Regulators had big decisions to make. How could they restore trust in the banking system? Would they make Silicon Valley Bank's depositors whole? And how could they stop fear from spreading? So over the weekend, financial regulators got together, the Treasury, the Fed, the FDIC, and they came up with a plan. So what does the government do? The government did a couple of things. The first is it shut down another bank. So Signature Bank, which was a bank that had catered to crypto customers, you can see where that is going, was shut down on Sunday. The government also said that customers at the closed banks, even those with balances above the federally insured limit, would get all their money back. The government said, effectively, everybody who is a depositor at... Silicon Valley Bank and its signature bank, I don't care how much you had in your account, you're good. It also took a big step to shore up other banks. The Federal Reserve said, okay, banks, if you have trouble, if you don't have enough money to hand to your customers who want to take the money out, come to us and we will give you that money. We are going to effectively lend it to you. 
And so, so that's the that's the government sort of opening bid to see if it can stem the crisis. Is this a bank bailout? Is this a bank bailout? It's a great question. Um, you know, it depends what you mean by bailout. It's not a bailout in the sense that the shareholders or even the bondholders are getting some kind of special treatment. The shareholders of these banks will be wiped out. The management will be replaced. The owners of the banks are not being rescued here. So in that sense, it's not really a bailout, but it kind of is in the sense that uninsured depositors were not supposed to have risk-free deposits. System's not set up for uninsured depositors to always get their money back. That's why they call them uninsured depositors. So in some sense, it was a bailout of uninsured depositors. So who has egg on their face here? So so the egg, I think there's there's egg to go around here. There's like a there's like an omelet. Um it's like <laughs> one of those Western omelets. It's a three-egg omelet. Certainly the risk management at Silicon Valley Bank leaves something to be desired. It was not difficult to foresee that the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates. Um, the Fed was saying, we're going to raise interest rates, we're going to raise interest rates, we're going to raise interest rates. It's really banking like 101 that if you own a bunch of long-duration assets that you are in trouble when interest rates go up. How that was allowed to happen inside the bank, I think, is a really important question that will have to get answered at some point. And then also, there is some egg for the regulators, too, because this was a bank that looked fine. It met all of the standards. It had met the capital requirements, met the liquidity requirements. Fundamentally, something went wrong there, that a bank that did, in fact, meet all of the criteria of the regulations turned out to go from a 200 something dollar stock Wednesday at 4 o'clock to a $0 stock Friday at 9 a.m. That shouldn't happen. On Monday, President Biden came out to reassure markets. Look, the bottom line is this. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. He also demanded an accounting of what happened. And why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. But investors don't seem reassured. Today, banking stocks got hit hard. Several smaller banks fell as much as 80% in early trading. Could there be more bank failures coming? I, I mean, can't say no to that. Um, yes, there could be more bank failures coming. Um, but it's very hard to predict. And it's really hard because it's a question of psychology that's fundamentally unknowable. Hard to predict how depositors at these various banks will react. What's the lesson of this moment? I'm trying to find a way to, to, to put this that doesn't just sound totally trite, but the, the low interest rate period created a lot of seemingly free lunches that aren't free. So the fact that the U.S. government financed itself at very low interest rates for many, many years, the fact that especially in the last couple of years, homeowners and businesses got to borrow at very, very low interest rates, that all seemed just like great. Um, and it was, but there are some costs to that too. And it's, you know, do the costs outweigh the benefits? That's, a, that's a, another discussion, but, but there are some costs. 
Because there's no such thing as a free lunch. There isn't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish there were. That's all for today, Monday, March 13th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.